Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. You guys ready to get in the Word of God this morning? I got a word this, this morning. Um, you know, this week I, I came across a verse that, that was actually a notification on my Bible app. I, I get those notifications every, every night. I have them sent to me like at you know, 11 o'clock at night. Sometimes I, I'm asleep by then, but... Uh, I was awake, and I had my phone, and I read it, and it was so profound, so powerful, yet so simple. And I want to read it. It's in James 1.21. It says this, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. And I love this last part. Which is able to save your souls. Isn't that awesome? Uh, it's awesome, whether you think it is or not, because... This, this, like, this should be like a memory verse, like one of those things that you just carry around with you every day. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I love that. This verse is a, it's a testament of the power that is in the word of God. It essentially says that the word of God alone can save any human soul that is destined for death. And you know what? The word of God, the word of God is a lot of things, but... But what I see is the word of God is pure and the word of God is true. Amen. Can we agree with that? The word of God is true and it is pure. So when we're carrying around things that are untrue and when we're carrying around things that are impure, well, guess what? We're not carrying around with us the word of God. We might think that we are. We might convince ourselves that we're still properly aligned with, with the will of the Father. But if we have not yet put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and we have not humbly received the word of God... We're getting in the way of the power that exists in the word of God. Amen. I'm ready to preach whether you receive it or not, man. Come on. This was interesting because it was interesting when I read this verse, I was, a re, I was immediately reminded of another passage that I had read about a month or two ago. And uh, it's in Second Chronicles. And I, when, when I read it, I was like, wow, what a, what a powerful word. Like that'll definitely preach. Someday. I wasn't planning on preaching it anytime soon. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then when this, this uh, verse in James came to me, I was immediately reminded of that passage in Second Chronicles. It's awesome how God does that. The, the word of God is the God-breathed word of God. Scripture interprets scripture. It doesn't matter how much time exists between passages. It doesn't matter the, the, the differences in, in culture or the author. It's all the God-breathed word of God. And so it was cool how God kind of set that up. I, ha I had completely forgot about this passage in Chronicles, and he reminded me. And so I was like, all right, God, I'm going to preach it. And so if you have your Bibles, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And I just want to kind of set up what's going on here this morning. We have two kingdoms represented uh, here in this passage, Israel and Judah, right? They, the two have formed an alliance, King Jehoshaphat. Uh, the king of Judah, and, and King Ahab, the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat, he seems to be a man of God. He seems to be a man that wants to do the right thing, but he's greatly influenced by the wicked king Ahab. You know, man, we got a lot of Christians that, man, we have no issue taking influence from others, but we have a hard time giving influence to others. Like, we're influenced by people rather than influencing people. And that's not how it should be. Okay, you know, you know, I'm not talking about influencing your kids. That's that's pretty easy to do. Um, every child thinks their their dad is the strongest guy in the world, and they can barely lift themselves out of bed, right, in the morning. 
It's not, it's not hard to influence people who are being influenced by everyone. The real challenge in, in, that exists within Christians is influencing those who seem to have their lives all figured out. People that you might feel intimidated by. People that make a little bit more money than you. People that are better looking than you. People that have more followers on Instagram than you do, right? They seem to have the perfect life. And we feel intimidated by so many people that we come in contact with in the world when all along we're the ones that carry the truth. We have the power of the word of God and all of the above might be true. And we can definitely learn from people that, you know, make more money than us and, 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 you know, have, have it all figured out. But at the same time, in the matters that matter the most, we have the truth church. We should be influencing people, not the world influencing us. And so maybe your boss makes more money than you do, but you might have a little bit more joy than your boss does because your source of joy is stronger than their source of joy. Maybe, maybe that person that you see, they have it all figured out. They don't lack anything. That's okay because even though you might not be there yet, you're walking into a place of eternity. And when you get there, it's going to be much more pleasurable than any earthly place could have you in. We got to be people of influence. We got to be influencing people, not having people influence us. That's what we need, man. That's what Christians need. We need to be walking in confidence. But yet we're, our girls are being influenced by Kylie Jenner. Anyways. So we have Jehoshaphat here. And, and he knows the truth. He has the truth with him. And he's trying to do a little bit of influencing, but ultimately he, he lets himself be influenced by the wicked. Um, so this alliance between Jehoshaphat and, and Ahab, it leads to a, poten- a potential battle. And Ahab, he asks Jehoshaphat if, if he would uh, support him in, in battle. Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, will Judah support us uh, in, this, in this battle? And, and Jehoshaphat, he says, he says, yeah, sure, but maybe we should inquire upon the Lord first. And that's, that's about as much as his influence goes. So that's kind of where I want to pick up. Second Chronicles 2.18, beginning with verse 5. We're going to kind of read a little bit this morning. We're going to spread it out. Um, but let's go ahead and read that. It says, then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? See, that there goes his influence right there. Verse 7 says, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire, Micaiah, the son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies as good concerning me, but always evil. Do you get that? I, I didn't even know this. I, know, I knew about Micaiah, but up until a couple months ago, I didn't know this verse was even in here. It's like one of those hitting gems, man. And I was like, man, I got to preach it. This is a great example of how many of us, you know, we, we want God's blessings, but we're afraid to look closer to see if the blessing is actually there. Because we're afraid to find the answer of God. And we, so many times, we just kind of convince ourselves that, yeah, God, God supports this. I'm good with this. So we don't even take a deeper look. I, and I feel like a lot of us, we, we ask for a sign when we know that a sign is already there. I remember being in middle school, having a girlfriend. And I had no business having a girlfriend when I was in middle school, 13, 14 years old. Amen. The mamas say, yeah, right? Because God was, God was doing a work in me. He was, he was trying to do something in my life. Those were very formative years. 
developmental years for my ministry, guys. I'm just letting y'all know. God wants to do something in your life. He's going to call you to it now. Don't, don't be caught up. I was caught up. I was distracted. And I, I remember having so many of my friends that were telling me, hey, man, um, maybe you should just chill out a little bit. Like, you're, you're, you're 14 years old. You're too young to be in love. My parents would tell me the same thing. And my youth pastor, man, I remember my youth pastor, Mario, man, I love that guy. He always told me how it was. And he, he pulled me to the side one Sunday. It was after convention. We had went to a convention. And conventions, you're supposed to just get lost in the presence of God, right? You're, you're supposed to have an encounter, an experience with God. And I was just having an experience with my girlfriend. And so I remember that Sunday morning after convention, he pulls me to the side. And he says, he says look, Ryan, God wants to do something in your life, but you're too distracted right now. And, and if you're too distracted, you're, never gonna, you're not going to get there in the time that he wants you to get there. And I was like, man, I can do both, man. I just, like, mind your business, right? Like, that's what we tell people. We can, mind your business. Why are you judging me? But all these people, all my friends, my youth pastor, my parents, they kind of started getting to me, influence. And I remember one night we were going to, my girlfriend and I, we were going to go on a date. Her mom was going to drive us somewhere. And, uh, and I, remember, I remember asking God, I said, God, if it is your will for me to be with her, Give me a sign. And I said, and let that sign be that I just know it. Let that sign be that I just feel it. Let me just feel it, God. If it's your will, let me just feel it. I'm a 14-year-old boy, drunken puppy love, going out on a date with my girlfriend. You think I'm going to feel something? I think so. I set it up. I got home that night. I fell on the bed. You know how they do on the movies, right? So in love, man. I was like, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You did it. You did it. <laughs> I, I, I set it up. I set it up. And I, I bet God was there just shaking his head like, oh, my gosh. right, Man. But that's what we do. We ask for a sign that we know is already there. And look, I, I, got, I learned something. I learned something. If you're going to ask God for a sign. Okay, maybe you're here this morning and you're confused about something. Maybe you're here this morning and you're distracted. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And you're, you're looking for confirmation. You're looking for com- uh, affirmation by God. And you're like, God, give me a sign. I'm going to give you a tip. If you're going to ask God for a sign, only ask a sign from God that can be supernaturally done. You got that? Only ask for a sign that only God himself can do. Not that you can make up and convince yourself, oh, this is God. I'm reminded of, of Isaiah. Isaiah, God tells him to, to tell the king Ahaz, not Ahab, this is a different story. He says, tell King Ahaz to ask me for a sign, whether the deepest depths or the highest height, whatever he wants, anything, ask for a sign and I'll show him. If that were me, I'd go big, right? If God was telling me to ask him for a sign, I would go, I would like, God, like, move that mountain over here, right? Or like, God, like, let me fly. I've always wanted to fly, right? I wouldn't ask God, God, let me feel it. That's just, that's just stupid. <laughs> if you're going to ask God for a sign, ask him for something that you yourself cannot manufacture. Ahab got together his 400 men, prophets, knowing what they were going to say. Knowing that they were just there to, uh, man, I can't say certain things when I'm on the altar, right? 
kisses behind, right? That's why they were there. And he gathers them up and he asks them, hey, should we go into battle? And they all say, yeah, yeah, you should. Jehoshaphat says, well, what about this other guy, Micaiah? Uh, Ahab is like, uh, I don't know. I mean, we got 400 yeses. Why do we need another one? But Jehoshaphat insists, so they bring him out. And uh, look, look at verse 12. Look at this. It says, and the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Did you get that? Man, this is like a hidden gem in the Bible right here, man. This is how you know that this whole ordeal, this whole, let's bring in the prophets, let's see what they say. This was just a formality. They didn't really intend on listening to anything that the word of God had to say. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us pray just as a formality. A lot of us read the word just as a formality. A lot of us come to church just so we can say, hey, I go to church, right? Just as a formality, just so that we can say that we did it with no intention of changing our ways, with no intention of ridding ourselves of rampant wickedness. It's just a formality. God's not looking formalities. He's looking for a relationship. This is not an arranged marriage. This is, this is a relationship. This is the body of Christ coming to Jesus because we love him and he coming to us because he loves us. That's what it is. It's not a formality. It's a relationship. And we treat church sometimes. We treat our relationship with God sometimes as a formality. What's up, Milton? My brother right there. This was just a formality. And so I want to continue reading here. You're still with me, right? All right. Verse 13 says, but Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what my God says that I will speak. Mm, Come on. Come on, Micaiah. Get it. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or refrain? Or shall I refrain? And he answered, go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. Okay. When I read that, I had to read it a few times. Because I was like, what? Wait, what? And then I realized that 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 was a joke. (laughs) Micaiah was, he got jokes. He was telling them that because the messenger said, hey, only speak what is favorable to the king. Micaiah goes in there, all right, you want to hear this? Fine. Go go ahead, go into battle. You're going to be triumphant, whatever. And then verse 15 says, But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? All right. And this is where we're about to get to the truth. And you know what? It's ugly. You know, sometimes the truth is ugly. And that's why we avoid it so much. Because we don't want to really, we don't really want to know what the truth is. I know a lot of people that don't go to the doctor because they know that the doctor is going to find something. And they're going to tell them to change their their dietary habits, right? They're going to tell them to exercise. Like, nah, nah, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm, I'm good. Sometimes the truth is ugly. You know, in my ministry, I've received so many prophetic words in, 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 in my life, you know? And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. When they're good, I always affirm it. When they're bad, I never say I receive it. Never. 
So if they're saying, this is going to be your year, Pastor Ryan, this is going to be your month, you're going to be prosperous, your ministry is going to explode, your business is going to go through the roof, your, your household is going to be blessed, I'm like, yes, Lord, speak. Hallelujah. But the moment they say, you're about to step into a period of trials. You're about to come into a moment of, of discomfort, and you're really going to have to exercise some patience. I'm like, can I get a second opinion or something? Like, <laughs> But the word of God is the word of God. Whether it's beautiful, whether it's ugly, whether it's praise, whether it's correctiveness, it is what it is. It is the word of God. And the word of God is truth, church, whether you like it or not. And this was Ahab's truth, verse 16. And he said, this is Micaiah speaking. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. I don't know if you realize this, but this was a prophecy of death over the life of Ahab. And all his people are going to be scattered with no master. And let's go ahead and close up the, the whole passage here. Verse 17, it says this. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, therefore, he, he keeps going, like, he, he doesn't stop there. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. All right, you got to pay attention right here. And the Lord said to him, by what means? Right here. And he said, I will go out and be, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. You wanted to hear it. There was. That's the truth. And the truth is, Ahab, he made up his mind long before he even inquired on the Lord. He knew what he was going to do. And so God tells Micaiah, look, I'm going to send a lying spirit into his prophets because he's already made up his mind. I'm going to go ahead and give him over to his own desires. That's what God does. And Ahab doesn't really care about the truth. He doesn't care what Micaiah has to say. He's instead going to listen to his 400 liars because they're telling Ahab what he wants to hear. You know, it's, it's possible that the false prophets, I mean, there's 400 of them. Maybe they were just convincing, right? I mean, put yourself in that situation where you have one person telling you one thing, and then you have 400 over here telling you another. Who are you going to believe? And the thing is, man, we have to be able to recognize the schemes of the enemy because the enemy is a really good liar. He is the best at what he does. He is the best at what he does. And, and when you don't know the word of God, you're not going to be able to recognize it when the word of God comes upon you. And the enemy's going to play you like a fiddle, man. He's going to capitalize on your ignorance of, of who God is and what his voice sounds like. If you've never heard of the, the voice of God before, you're not going to recognize him when he's trying to speak to you. And I want you to, I'm, a, I'm about to close, but I want you to listen to the last part here. Evil recognizes evil. Evil recognizes evil. Evil is, is comfortable with evil. That's why that man that was possessed with a legion of demons, that's why he had so many of them, because evil attracts more evil. 
Or evil's having a party, evil wants to be at that party. Evil is comfortable with evil, but that also means that evil is uncomfortable with righteousness. So this is why those same demons that were possessing this man, they trembled at the sight of Jesus Christ as he walked toward them. And they got all nervous, and they got all sweaty. And I, I just imagine you know, them squirming around in, in the body of this man. And they, they bowed down before Jesus because they were uncomfortable. And so this is why you have Ahab, a wicked man, a wicked king, is attracted to the wicked and twisted words of these false prophets because evil attracts evil. None of them had revelation from God. None of them were messengers of God. One of them goes in. He's like, yeah, King Ahab, you're going to be victorious. I mean, this is, you can do it, right? You got it. And then the next guy comes in, his, you know, incompetent counterpart, and he's like, yeah, you know, what that guy said, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be victorious, you're going to come out on top, you're going to be the man, you're going to be the king, everybody's going to be praising you, you're going to win, you're going to have the victory. And, and all the while, Ahab is probably just eating it up, getting big-headed, prideful, arrogant, and then comes Micaiah, who tells Ahab, like it is, and Ahab just calls him a hater, <laughs> Why are you hating on me? Why are you hating on me? Sometimes, sometimes God is really trying to tell you something through another person, and you just recognize it as, hey, why are you hating on me? Ahab couldn't tell the difference because he was so far removed from righteousness. If, if, if you're aligned, if you're, if you're in tune with the word of God, if you know what the word of God is, if you know what his voice sounds like, and you're missing the mark, and someone, your brother, calls you out on it, you're going to be like, you know what? I know. I know. You're not going to call him a hater because you know that he speaks truth, whether you like it or not, whether it's ugly or whether it's beautiful. If only if Ahab, this is where it all comes together right here. Can you pull up that, that, that James, James 1, 12 again, or 1, 22? If only Ahab would have put away all filthiness and all rampant wickedness and received with meekness the implanted word of God, it would have been able to save him. You see that? You see what God did there? But Ahab couldn't do it. Ahab couldn't receive the word of God, and therefore he couldn't be saved. Because what is evil cannot recognize what is righteous. By the way, in the next section of the same chapter of Chronicles, Ahab dies. He goes into battle. He doesn't listen to Micaiah. He goes into battle, and, and he dies. Because he could not recognize the word of God to save his life. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've just, you've just been listening to the liars, man. You've been listening to someone that... Maybe they're, maybe they're very convincing, or maybe they're telling you what you want to hear. Ah, oh, you don't got to go to church on Sundays. Just go eat, right? You don't need Jesus. You just need to be a good person. That's, that's all that he cares about. Or this one, hey, man, it's the 21st century. Uh, I could have sex with my girlfriend if I want to. Everybody does it. Everyone thinks this way. Everyone acts this way. Christians, you guys are actually in the minority. Micaiah was outnumbered 400 to 1. But he had the only voice that mattered. He had the only voice 
that could, that could bring saving life. He had the only voice that could bring salvation and freedom out of bondage. He had the only voice speaking truth when all of these other voices were just clouding Ahab's judgment. If he would have just stopped for a second and reflected on the word of God, he would have been able to tune out all the noise. And maybe you're here and you've just been listening to noise in your life, man. And you have no idea where God's voice is in all that. God wants to bring you out of that today. And if you're here this morning and you say, man, I, you know what? I need a cleansing of spirit so I can finally hear what God wants from my life. This is your opportunity. And this is a very, you know, special altar call this morning. I, I know people don't like being called out because, you know, some people think, you know, someone comes up to the altar call, someone else is saying, oh, that's, that's surprising. I wonder what's going on in their life, right? And shame on us Christians forever doing that, by the way. Because the truth is, if it's not this Sunday, it'll probably be next Sunday. We're always in need of a cleansing. We're always in need of, of a fine-tuning with the Spirit. You know, there are days where I just feel off. My spirit feels off. I feel like, like I'm not tuned with the Holy Spirit and I'm dealing with all kinds of things that I would have never dealt with on a normal day. Anxiety and doubt and frustration and anger and I'm like, what is going on? This is not me. This is not God in me. And I need to reflect and I, didn't, I need to take away all filthiness, all rampant wickedness, all, all, all thoughts of doubt and I need to reflect on the word of God because God's voice is truth. man. And the power of God is here this morning. And so I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. Can we do that? And before anything, I, I want us to I want us to just close our eyes. I want to do what we do every Sunday morning. No one looking around. Everybody just close your eyes. Bow your head. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, and you can't hear God's voice. And maybe he's, he's been trying to tell you something. Maybe you feel like you're not exactly where you need to be. And this is, your, this is your opportunity this morning to say, you know what, God? I give my life to you. I give my thoughts to you. I give my will, my emotions, my, my actions. I give them to you this morning. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life, I'm just going to ask that you just raise your hand. Just raise your hand if that's you this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. We got, we got one. We got one, Jesus. Thank you, my God. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask that you just repeat this prayer after me. You can do it as, as, as quietly as you need to, but just do it with a sincere heart. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins, for my wrongs. I recognize him this morning as my Lord and my Savior. Cover me in the blood of your son, Jesus. And I pray that your Holy Spirit begin to work in my life so that I may hear the call and the purpose that you have for me. Amen. Come on, God. Come on. Let's give God some praise this morning, church. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.